is a Amen. What a good way to begin a Sunday morning. Are you looking forward to that day when we stand in His presence? Amen. Thank you for being out on this Sunday morning, 10 a.m. service. Let's all stand together. I was afraid we might not have quite as big a crowd. I think we got a bigger crowd. Thank you for coming out early today. Let's worship the Lord and sing together. Brother Ken, lead us this morning. 
the year we've had this year in 2020, I say even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Thank you so much for coming out this morning. Thank you for joining us, those of you who are joining via live stream. We appreciate your presence today. We're going to open up in a word of prayer. Those of you who are joining us online, we encourage you as always to please put your requests in the chat feature. And I'm going to give you three or four requests this morning before we pray and open up this morning. Continue, of course, to pray for Sister Lisa Coffey. She remains in the hospital, although she may be coming home shortly, but pray for her. She's got significant uh, health issues she's continuing to deal with. Lisa, I know you're probably watching this morning. We love you, and everybody's praying for you. Uh, please continue to pray for Sister Annette Rohr. She will, on July 22nd, unless the date has changed, be having open-heart surgery. So pray for her. Betty Canote is shortly to have, on July 20th, knee surgery. Please remember her, Sister Vicki Turner. And then I'm going to give you a, a name we've been praying for, but I want you to really this week lift up Chelsea Provento in prayer. Uh, Chelsea has had all kinds of health complications uh, in the last couple of weeks, including the possibility of some precancer cells that have shown up that have really put a monkey wrench in everything she's trying to do with regards to her kidney replacement. So I want you to pray for uh, Chelsea this week. She needs a divine touch, but we also know a divine healer. So please lift her up in prayer. Remember the services today. Let's ask God to meet with us. Father, we love you. And we come to you in that precious, precious name of Jesus. That name that is indeed above every name. And the name at whose mention one day everybody will bow. Uh, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And confess Lord of lords and King of kings. Lord, we come to you this morning asking a special touch of grace and healing upon Sister Lisa Coffey. Lord, I, I know none of this has taken you by surprise, but Lord, we ask that you touch her, that you heal her, strengthen her, and Lord, bring her back to her family, to her church family. And Lord, I pray that you would be the divine healer in her life. I pray for uh, a sister Chelsea, God, you know that we've been begging you for, for weeks and months now to touch her, and we ask you again, Lord, to work a miracle in her life. And as she goes to the many doctors this week, that it would be nothing but good news. Lord, for these in our church who are facing upcoming surgery, Sister Betty, Sister Annette, Lord, I pray that you'd already begin healing in their lives. And Lord, thank you, God, for our church that's here this morning ready to worship, whether they're here in our parking lot or join us via a live stream. I'm glad you told us where two or three are gathered, you'd be in the midst. So, Lord, we're going to ask you to do that this morning. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for Calvary. Lord, we thank you that one day uh, we'll be together in heaven where we'll never say goodbye again. How we're looking forward to being at Zion's Hill. We'll thank you and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. That's what I thought my wife was playing. Uh, I love this song. This is, in fact, my father-in-law's favorite hymn. She was playing while I was praying, and I thought, that sounds familiar. I want you to listen and understand that while Brother Gerald is speaking, singing about Zion's Hill, what he's talking about is that place that we call heaven. You listen now as Gerald sings.
So much. I really love that old hymn. Thank you, Gerald. I appreciate that. Three or four announcements to give you this morning. Thank you for those who've been contributing to our back-to-school program. Uh, today, of course, uh, was crayons and glue sticks. Next Sunday is composition books. We're collecting both the spiral kind that most of the kids use, but also some of the bound kind, those Mead, M-E-A-D-E, bound composition books. And I also will remind you that uh, we are also doing the $20 per child. If you can help us out with that, sponsoring a child, you can put that in your regular tithing. We also have it online. We'll be doing that through the month of July. We appreciate so much. Uh, folks helping us out with that. It's a blessing to be able to serve in that ministry. And then let me give you two or three more things. Those who came a little bit late, we have here at the front. Uh, I think the basket's empty now, but if there are any left, we've got some umbrellas there, S-A-G-B-C. We've got Call to Glory, and we've got some daily breads over there. We'd love for you to pick those up. And finally, I'm going to go ahead and just announce through the month of July... We will be having services at 10 a.m. I don't think it's going to get any cooler in July and probably not in August either. Uh, but for the month of July, we will go ahead and plan for 10 a.m. I also let you know that we are still planning our end of summer jubilee on August the 31st, September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, it will likely be outside. Uh, August the 31st, we will have Brother Heath Williams and the Joyful Sounds. Uh, we've got Brother Kenny Baldwin coming. We've got Scott Matthews coming. The Matthews family will be here, so we're planning all of that still. And then, Lord willing, the second Wednesday night in September, that's the current plans, the second Wednesday night in September, uh, we're going to try to transition Wednesday evening services back in line, back inside. Uh, we will not be doing Awanas, of course, or nursery, uh, but we are going to try to transition Wednesday nights back uh, inside for those who would like to come. We got a few more weeks on that. We'll give you all the information on that this morning. I'm glad you're here. We appreciate you being here. Let's stand together one more time. Brother Ken, come get us a song to sing, and then uh, Brother, Brother Gerald will give us a second song as well. Let's sing this morning. Amen. Let's all stand together while we sing the blessing. 
Amen. Thank you. You can be seated on her deathbed. A lot of you have heard me talk about this. On her deathbed, Fanny Crosby, author of more than 4,000 songs, proclaimed that of all the ones she'd written, that one was her favorite. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Let me take a quick poll this morning before Brother Gerald sings this last song for us. How many of you are hot? Raise your right hand. Yeah. Uh, or toot your horn. Yeah, there's water over here where Brother uh, Nick is and Brother Matt is. If you need a bottle of water, we've got cold water over there. Now I want to see some of the crazy folks. How many of you like the heat? Raise your right hand. We're not allowed to have a public altar, but it is open. Amen. How many of you like the rest of us say folks can't wait for fall? Amen. Sing, Brother Gerald. <laughs> Something wrong with you. <laughs> I was working in town one afternoon Attending some business affairs I heard a commotion a couple streets over Wondered what's happening there A young man was running from in that direction And stopped just to catch his breath I asked him to please tell me what was the hurry. He smiled up at me and he said, I was trying to catch the crippled man. Did he run past this way? He was rushing home to tell everyone what Jesus did today. And the mute man was telling myself and the deaf girl He's leaving to answer God's call It's hard to believe, but if you don't trust me Ask the blind man, he saw it all Ask the blind man, he saw it all My friend, if the troubles and burdens you carry are heavy and dragging you down And you've tried everything you can possibly think of, but there's no relief to be found This very same Jesus that altered the future of the blind man, the deaf and the lame is still reaching out in your hour of trouble one touch and you're never the same you'll be trying to catch the crippled man as he runs past this way he's rushing home to tell everyone what jesus did today and the mute man was telling myself and the deaf girl he's leaving to answer God's call. It's hard to believe, but if you don't trust me, ask the blind man, he saw it all. Ask the blind man, he saw it all.
He saw it all. Amen. All right, turn in your Bibles this morning to Joshua chapter number 22. Joshua chapter number 22. I know I, I, I mentioned this often, but I haven't said anything in the last couple of weeks. I want to continue to express my appreciation for uh, those ladies and men who are helping out uh, sewing masks. They've done over 16,000 masks now, including 3,000 for the back-to-school program. They're going to begin working on the college masks, and I appreciate you ladies helping out with that. You are a real blessing uh, this morning. Joshua chapter number 22, if you would, please. I want you to look with me uh, at verse number 1. Uh, and we'll also read down through verse number 6 this morning, Joshua chapter 22, verse number 1. Everybody found your place? Say amen. Notice what the Bible says. Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of of Manasseh. Let me stop there so you'll understand what's going on. How many tribes were there, church? Twelve. Eleven of them had land. The twelfth tribe, the tribe that was the priestly tribe, was not given land but was rather given cities. The priestly tribe is the tribe of what, church? Levi. We got twelve tribes. And in verse number 1, we find out that we're speaking to the tribe of Reuben, to the tribe of Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. That matters because it lets us know geographically exactly what we're talking about. You understand that the book of Joshua is all about the conquest of the promised land. The conquest of Cana. Let's imagine for just a second. I've often done this inside, but let's do it outside. Let's imagine for just a second that this parking lot represents the nation of Israel. On the left-hand side is two and a half tribes. And imagine that this line that comes right between the harbors and the Cassidy's represents the Jordan River. So on this side of the Jordan River, my right, your left, coming from east to west, are two and a half tribes. On the western side are the rest of the tribes. Down in the lower left-hand corner about where our sound crew is represents Jerusalem, the national capital. So you've got the north, you've got the south, you've got the east, You've got the west, and the nation is divided uh, east and west, about a third on this side, two-thirds on that side by the Jordan River running all the way down. So when Joshua says he's speaking to Gad, to Reuben, and to half of Manasseh, what that literally means is that he's speaking to the tribes that are on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Now, why does all of this matter? Because as the nation of Israel was conquering the promised land, 
Egypt is way down here where Donnie Joyce is sitting. Can somebody say amen right there? Amen. Egypt is way down here where the Joyces are sitting. And as they fled Egypt, rambled through the desert for 40 years, then God allows them to move into the promised land. The temptation would have been, once this side is conquered, once Gad and Reuben and half of Manasseh, and by the way, the other half of Manasseh is over here, once Gad and Reuben and half of Manasseh have subdued their land, it would have been very easy for these folks to say, we're done, y'all go take care of your part. But if you read Joshua, Joshua says that's not how we operate. All the men who are in Gad and Reuben and Manasseh, you got to come and join us now to make sure we take care of the rest of the promised land. Uh, so now uh, in Joshua chapter 22, it's all been conquered. It's all been settled. Uh, and Joshua's about to tell Gad and Manasseh, half of Manasseh and Reuben, it's time for you to go back home and get down to the business of living. So go back to chapter 22, look at verse 1. Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, half the tribe of Manasseh, and said unto them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You've not left your brethren these many days unto this day but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. Let me pause there and just simply explain. I think this makes sense. He is complimenting the folks that lived over here uh, for going to battle with the folks that lived over here uh, and not abandoning them during this time of conquering Israel, uh, conquering Egypt uh, and the promised land. If that makes sense, say amen. Verse 4, And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren as he promised them, Therefore now return ye and get you unto your tents and unto the land of your possession, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of Jordan. If I can paraphrase, Moses' law was given to the nation of Israel during their wilderness wanderings. And now Joshua says to them, you've done what you need to do. You've helped the, the tribes over here conquer their land. It's time for you to go back to the other side of the Jordan River. And he's about to say something in verse number 5 that I hope will resonate for all of us. You see, one of the great challenges for the two and a half tribes that lived over here would be this natural barrier, the Jordan River, that kept them from the rest of Israel and in particular kept them away from the holy city of Jerusalem. And simply put, what, what, uh, what Joshua wants to remind them of is the further away you, listen now, the further away you get from the people, and the further away you get from the promised land, and the further away you get from the holy city of Jerusalem, uh, the less likely you are to remain engaged in the work of God. And in verse number 5, he's going to give them five points that will help them stay, listen to what I'm about to say, that will help them stay on the firing line even when they're not in the midst of the battle. Five things that if they do will guarantee 
that they stay connected with God and stay connected with God's people and stay connected with the holy city of Jerusalem even if they're not in the vicinity. We'll read them in just a second, but I want to just pause a moment and say to you, one of the great challenges we have right now, folks, is keeping people connected to church when we can't go inside the church. One of the great challenges that we're all facing right now is how do we remain engaged with the work of the church when the church building itself for months now has had to be closed down, when we can't do all the things that we've done, we can't do Awanas and we can't do children's church and we can't do Sunday school and we can't do senior saints trips. How do we stay engaged? How do we stay connected? How do we stay on the firing line when it seems like the enemy has shut the door? Well, let's read verse number 5 together. Notice what the Bible says. But take diligent heed to the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, all his ways, to keep his commandments, to cleave unto him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went unto their tents. Before sending the two and a half tribes back over to the other side of the Jordan River, Joshua wants to give them some reminders of things that will keep them on the firing line when it feels like uh, they've distanced themselves uh, from the nation and the things of God. May I just say to you this morning that in the middle of July in 2020, even though we can't necessarily do the things we used to do, we can still be in God's fortitude. We can still be on the firing line. We can still be engaged in the work of God. And I'm going to give you straight out of verse number 5, five things that will help us do what I'm calling this message, stay on the firing line. How do we stay on the firing line? Sometimes when you read Bible, these, these messages jump right off the pages. You don't have to create some fancy alliterated outline. I'm going to give you straight out of verse number 5 the five things that God said these folks need to do. And I promise you these are the same things we need to be doing until we get back to some semblance of normal. Notice what it says again in verse number 5. Scripture says, take diligent heed. To do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you. Here's number one. To love the Lord your God. Number one, Joshua says, if you're going to remain engaged, if you're going to remain dedicated to the work of God, if you're going to remain on the firing line, you got to make sure that you are in love with God. That's such a simple thought. But may I say to you, it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Because I promise you, uh, society uh, is dedicated. Uh, society is now uh, turning its very face uh, against the things of God. Uh, it was hard before the pandemic. Uh, it was hard before the mess that's happened in the last several weeks. Uh, it's even harder now. Uh, but I promise you, when you love the Lord your God, uh, everything else falls into place. My Bible says to seek ye first 
kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. You see, when we love the Lord our God, it stirs us into action. When we love God and we put him first, it stirs us into action. It gets us engaged. It reminds us that we never forget where we were when he found us. Can somebody say amen to that? We never forget the depths of sin and depravity that he lifted us out of. We never forget, hey, that in the middle of a pandemic, we got a home to go to. We got a vehicle to drive. We got clothes to wear. I'm looking at all of y'all. Ain't nobody going hungry right now in the middle. I love you, but you like me. You done put on 10 pounds. All of us. My wife and I used to say all the time, if Clarence is ever closed, we'd starve. Not only did we not starve, we put on weight. Amen. When you love the Lord your God, it stirs you into action. But not only does it stir you into action, it'll straighten out your attitude. Can I just park a moment and say, I've never seen so much attitude as I have in the last four months. People have just gone crazy. I often try to remind myself when I see somebody acting a fool, that's the way my mama would say it. If you don't like that, you can take it up with her when you get to heaven. That's what she'd say. When I see somebody acting just plain out stupid, I have to remind myself uh, that everybody's off their rocker just a little bit. Uh, We've all gotten to be on edge. Don't look at me so pious. You have as well. Uh, We've all gone a little bit stir crazy. Nobody knows how to do this. Uh, I looked through all of my seminary books, and I didn't have one called leading a church through a pandemic anywhere. And I'm amazed that no matter what it is, somebody thinks they've got the answer. Everybody's got an opinion, and everybody thinks their way's the right way. May I say to you this morning, when you put the Lord God first in your life, it's amazing how much better our attitude becomes. Number one, love the Lord your God. Go to verse number five. For not only does he say to love the Lord your God, he says, number two, walk in his ways. Walk in his ways. Can I paraphrase that? Because what Joshua is really telling these two and a half tribes over on this side of the Jordan River, when you get over there and you're distanced now from everybody else and you're separated from the holy city of Jerusalem and you've got to distance yourself from the rest of Israel uh, by the very nature of this Jordan River, uh, you've got to remember not only to love the Lord your God and put him first, but you've got to remember to do what he says to do, to walk in his ways. You, you, You finish this phrase for me that Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Just because, church, We're in the middle of a global pandemic. Just because the fabric of our nation is seemingly ripping apart, it does not mean that we can abandon the principles of this book. It does not mean that our church is compromising. It does not mean that your family should compromise. It does not mean that we individually change who we are or what we stand for. We should be walking in his ways. And when we walk in his ways, it gets us to the right places. It allows us to communicate with the right people and keeps us grounded in the things of God. And my soul above, do we need that today? Number one. Love the Lord your God. Number two, 
walk in his ways. Look at number three. Nothing fancy, straight out of the book. It says in verse number five, walk in all his ways. And the next one says to what? Keep his commandments. Keep his commandments. I have realized in my 50 years of life, 25 years of preaching and nearly 20 years of pastoring now, that one of the most important things we can do is obey God. You know, we teach that song to our children, obedience is the very best way to show that we believe. That's not just a kid's song. That's a mama song. That's a daddy song. That's a grandpa's song. That's a grandma's song. Obedience should never be optional. Our family should recognize what it means to obey. We should recognize what it means to obey. Keeping the commandments of God did not change just because our nation shut down because of a pandemic. You understand that when we... Oh, I hope you'll amen me. When we keep his commandments, it helps put things into perspective. Have you, have you like myself at any point during the last four months, and especially during the last several weeks, watched a news program, listened to a broadcast, or watched something via social media and thought to yourself, this country is going crazy? Have you thought to yourself, we have lost our marbles. We've lost the foundations upon which we stand. And I'm just going to be blunt with you. If you're not careful, if you watch too much of it, you can get downright discouraged and depressed. I have to make myself turn it off. Because the more I watch, the madder I get. I have to make myself quit reading some of the stuff. Because I'm ready to go charge hell with a water pistol. It, makes, it just makes my blood boil over some of this stuff. And if I'm, listen, if I'm not careful, it can become a distraction. It can become a distraction over what I really need to be doing. And that's obeying God, staying in His Word, keeping His commandments, leading my family, leading my church. I may not be able to fix all the problems. all the problems of this world but by golly I can take care of me and my own I can take we can take care of our church we can take care of our community we can do the things that we need to do that we were doing before the pandemic we can do them in the pandemic we can do them after the pandemic and if we do that part our nation might be a little bit better than she was before we got there number one love the Lord number two walk in his way Number three, keep his commandments. Look at number four, if you would. Chapter, if you would please, chapter 22. Look at verse number four. Excuse me, verse number five. What's the next one say, folks? Cleave unto him. Walk in his way, all right. Keep his commandments. Love the Lord your God. All right, check, check, check. Number four is cleave unto 
him. What, 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 what does that word cleave really mean? What does it mean to cleave unto something? Come here, baby. It's okay, we married. You see, folks, in the book of Genesis, in describing the marriage relationship, it plainly says that the husband and wife are to cleave to one another. In fact, you can also add that it says they are to leave. That means they leave their respective homes of their childhood and they cleave to one another. And using that same word is described here in the book of, Gen uh, book of Joshua, chapter 22, verse 5, that if we're going to stay faithful to God, we've got to cleave unto him. Sometimes I think it's easy to understand what the word doesn't mean. It doesn't mean just to touch God. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's very nice to touch and caress somebody that you love. But do you understand that, that in describing the marriage relationship, uh, God does not tell the husband just to simply caress or touch his wife. He doesn't tell the wife uh, to just simply touch her husband. Uh, that's lovely. Uh, that's wonderful. Uh, and surely that's part of the marriage relationship. But it doesn't say just to touch. I'm going to park a moment and say far too many people today, even before there was a pandemic, got accustomed to just touching God every once in a while. They got far too accustomed to just touching God here and there, uh, sort of engaging just a little bit, uh, and thinking that was enough. It wasn't enough before the mess we're in, and it ain't enough now that we're in this mess. So cleave doesn't just mean to touch. Cleave doesn't just mean to grab. It doesn't just mean to reach out and grab. You see, certainly uh, the marriage relationship means that there'll be times when you're desperate in need uh, and you've got to get to somebody and you will reach out and grab for support, for affection. Uh, but may I say to you, uh, that's not what the Bible said. And there are too many believers today uh, who will reach out and try to grab a hold of God when they need something. They'll reach out and try to grab a hold of the church when things fall apart. Uh, they'll reach out and try to grab a hold of God uh, when the world seems to crumble around them. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say touch. The Bible doesn't say grab. The Bible says what, church? Come here, baby. The Bible says... Y'all fellowship a minute. You know why? Because when you cleave to somebody, you're close to them. <clears throat> when you cleave to... You're sweating. Would you say, I'm hot? It's hot outside. I thought you said, I'm hot. When you cleave to somebody, you become more like, oh my, stars in heaven above. You become more like them. They become more like you. You can feel their heartbeat. You see, what it means to cleave to somebody is to get so close to them that there's no separation between you and them. You can go. Thank you, baby. 
You see, folks, uh, we've had enough of people trying to touch God. We've had enough of people trying to grab God. God, give us believers today who recognize that we need to cleave unto God because the Bible says if we draw near unto Him, He will draw near unto us. Uh, Too many of us are keeping God away at arm's length uh, when God is standing there uh, like the father of the prodigal with His arms open wide waiting for us to fall into His arms. Keep His commandments. Love him. Walk in his ways. Cleave. Finally this morning, Joshua 22, verse number 5, the last part says, And to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Would you amen me this morning? It's a whole lot easier to serve God when you're fellowshipping in the house of God. It's a whole lot easier to serve God when you are surrounded by God's people and you're experiencing the praise of God and you can feel the nearness of God. After all, that's why God created church, not for Him but for us because He knew we needed it. He knew it was part of our existence. Corporate worship matters. It is easier to serve God when you're in church. But guess what? We can still do it when we ain't in church. We can still do it. What does that mean, preacher? It means that we will live in his presence. It means that we will be where he is. And you have to amen me on this. If the Bible says where two or three are gathered, I'll be in the midst. We don't have to be inside that building to be in the presence of God. I hope you'll amen me on this as well. I'm not sure God dwells in 100 degree heat. That's why he created heaven to be sweet 64 degrees. Amen. And those of you who don't like 64 degrees, you have to go to your side of heaven. I'm just saying. And finally this morning, when we love him with our servant, with our heart and soul, not only does it mean that we'll live in his presence, it also means we will love his people. We'll love his people. I'm going to close this morning with a simple statement. Not only... Has this global pandemic and our time of social unrest brought out some of the absolute worst in people? It's also brought out some of the absolute best in people. I've seen some of the most kind, courageous acts of love committed in the last six months. I've seen some of the most egregious acts of hatred committed in the last six months. But I recognize, folks, uh, that when we are challenged, uh, when our faith is challenged, uh, when everything that we hold dear is challenged, one of two things will happen. Uh, We will either flee from God and hate His people, or we'll love God and love His people. Let me challenge you this morning. While it seems like We're on this side of the Jordan River. When it feels like that everything that we've known and held dear uh, is beyond our scope. uh, When it feels like that it's on the other side and we'll never get back there. Now's not the time to quit. Now's the time to stay on the firing line and be engaged for the work of God. How? Love Him. Put Him first. uh, Keep His commandments. Stay in His way. Cleave to Him and love His people. Let's stand to our feet this morning.
stand to our feet this morning. I want you to do me a favor. I know we're not going to have an official altar call. We can't. But I do want you to bow your heads with me. I don't want you to, nobody's looking. I want you to just to be honest. How many of you, like me, say, Preacher, I need to do a little bit better on one of those five? Would you just slip your hand up? There's a bunch of us. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for a few moments to share the precious word of God. These are indeed trying times. But I'm also reminded that the God that was with us before March is still with us after March. And the God that did so good by this nation and by this church and by us as people uh, before this pandemic has not abandoned us now. Help us, God, to still, though it seems like much of what we love is on the other side of Jordan, help us, God, to understand that we can still be on the firing line. In Jesus' name I pray. Brother Ken, sing us a verse this morning. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I our services to 10 o'clock through the month of July. 
We will be starting at 10 o'clock a.m. Please help. We put it out on our call system and social media, but please help us spread the word. The month of July, we'll be doing our services at 10 a.m. I'm used to every Sunday morning beginning to wipe my face because of the sweat. Now as I wipe it, I'm pulling off peach blush makeup. Amen. Play for us, Miss Renee. If you think you're hot now, we could be just starting right now. Thank you for being here this morning. We will be starting every Sunday now at 10 o'clock. Uh, we won't keep you long, but we are going to fellowship together and worship together. Amen. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you for SAGBC. Pray your blessings upon us until we meet again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Don't forget to come up here and get some devotion guides. Uh, God bless you. We'll see you soon. Check, 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 check